You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's like the state song says. The stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Crush time with me, guys, and mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Arch Manning, the top quarterback and the top player in the class of 2023, has verbally committed to the University of Texas. Steve Sarkeesian finally getting his guy. But let's not say that Texas is back just yet. Because that worked out so well for them the last time. Producer extraordinaire, co-host with the most, James Mesh, back in his in his Thunderdome. James is going in my on little bun- hole. In, in my little hole. It's more like a box. Yeah, I am boxed but, in. You know, it, it's a good little size box. You can probably put a bed in there. Not Ooh. not necessarily comfortably, just saying you could. A that's mur- a, that's get a tight fit. A little Murphy bed, have it fold down. Anyways, so Arch Manning commits to Texas shortly after his tight end at Newman, Will Randall, also commits to Texas. But James, here's what's going to be interesting with this. It's June. He's announcing his commitment. He still has a full season of high school football left to play. There's a lot of time between now and February, or even if you want to say the early signing period, there's still six months between now and December. Does Arch Manning actually go to Texas next summer? Early early feeling says yes. In my eyes, I know that you're very skeptical, and you're like, "I was about like, to say my early feeling says no." <laughs> yeah, I mean, te- Texas been on him the whole time, right? Correct. I mean, from the beginning, but so has Alabama and Georgia. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are some powerful men. They definitely are. But who's to say Nick Saban is going to be here with the, the last two years? You think Nick Saban's talking about retiring? Interesting. I mean, the, I mean the way he talked. I'm not saying he is going to retire, but thinking about it, I mean, he doesn't like how NIL works. He do, he doesn't love the idea at all. And I mean, the just the way he talked, it almost feels like not that it's the end, but it's like unless he just is able to overcome it and adjust, it's like does he move on? Does he does he ma- not even not even ret- retire but does he try and give the NFL another shot? Not at this age, huh? You're not going to you're not going to be a first year. I, wait, how old is Nick Saban? He's in his he's 70s. In, yeah, he's a, that would make him the oldest, I think. I was about to say he's because, I think he's 72. I mean, that he's puts 70. him that puts him okay, and I think Bill Belichick is also 70. Pete, okay, Car- so Pete Carroll's Bill- in his 70s as well. I it would be steep. So he and but Bill, it, but it it is something to think about. I'm not saying he is going to retire. So he, I'm not saying he's moving on to the NFL. So he, Bill, and Pete Carroll are all seventy. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's, I just know there's a way people with this kind of power, they talk certain ways. And I don't know. I just kind of got that vibe like he's not liking this and he can't really change it. So it's like, does he just accept it or does he move on? Yep. That's interesting. That's that's what that's what you that's see, what I wonder. If I'm Nick Saban at this point, I'm retiring. What do I have left to prove? Sure. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. Sure, my two years in the NFL were a failure, but I'm the greatest college football coach of all time. And it's gonna take fifty years for somebody to come along. And be better than me. You haven't seen a coach in college football be this good since, hell, Bear Bryant? Like, it's been forever since you've had a college coach be this successful. It's absolutely unreal. It's going to take decades before you see another performance like Nick Saban. So if I if I'm him, I'm I'm hanging it up. I'm 70. I'm getting up there in age. I have nothing left to prove. I'm going to retire with my money. Take some time for my philanthropy opportunities with my wife. You know, the the children's hospital that they that they sponsor and and things like that. Eat my oatmeal cream pies. With the Coke. With the Coke. And just enjoy life. I don't I don't know. It's the same thing with Tom Brady. I've said it time and time again. Why is Tom Brady still playing? Dude, go home. Go home and lay in your bed of millions and just love life. But if you enjoy playing or coaching, why would you stop? Because the longer that he plays and the less successful his seasons are, he starts to taint his legacy. He's still going to be the GOAT. But if, he, if he'd have stopped playing two years ago, right after he won that Super Bowl with Tampa, he'd have been the ultimate GOAT. Now I'm not so sure. Because he played one more year and he still put up and, pretty and, much the same amount of stats that he did the last year. I mean, he hasn't shown any sign of slowing down. Uh, I disagree. Yeah, he put up good numbers last year, but you could tell that he wasn't he wasn't the same. There, there, there has been a slight step where it, it's it's progress, regressed a little bit. And you have to imagine that it's only going to take a further step back this year. No, you you don't expect him to throw for 5K. So it's like, at at what point are you going to say, you know, enough's enough? It's time for me to go home. But are you really going to say years 23 and 24 are going to be the the tarnishments to his legacy? Because they weren't as good as the previous 22? No, I'm not. When I say tarnish, it's not going to ruin his legacy. He's still going to be Tom Brady. But there's just gonna be like a little is, blemish on it. But this is this is line yacht. 
I don't I don't see how a lineup could could be blemishes unless it's just utterly terrible. Because well, could it be utterly terrible? If he's going to be utterly terrible, then he would just stop. But if he knows what he if he knows he still got it and he he will still put up numbers, why would he stop? I don't know. That's interesting. Cuz once you leave the game, you can't go back. Like once you physically can't play it anymore, then you can't go back. So of course you're going to play for it as long as you can. Kyrie Irving has aqua- has given the Nets sign and trade options. So d- does this mean that that Kyrie is telling them, "Hey, I want out." So this is interesting because it goes from they've reached an impasse and a lot of people believed that that whole story came directly from Kyrie for leverage. But now he's given the Nets six teams that he wants to go to that include the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Mavs, and the Sixers. James, I've got a couple questions. Why the hell would you want to go to the Knicks other than the fact that it's in New York? <laughs> Newsflash, brother. You're already there. You're already in New York. Easy transition. If you wanted to play in New York, just stay in Brooklyn. The Knicks are just as dysfunctional. Okay, so there's number one. Why would you want to go to the Knicks? Number two... Why would you want to go to the Sixers? You've already proven that you can't play with James Harden. You're probably not going to get along with Joel Embiid because you can't get along with anybody. And then the the Mavs is another team that I look at. Like, I don't know if that's going to work very well. Could he play with Luka? Could Kyrie and Luka Doncic coexist on the floor together? I don't think so. The Lakers? Why do you want to work with LeBron again? You bashed him five years ago. Also, they have Russell Westbrook. That's a bad idea. The Clippers? To me, the Clippers or the Heat make the most sense. Because I think Kyrie, Paul George, and Kawhi could coexist on a floor together. I think the three of them could play well together. And then the Heat, Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, that could work. But those other four? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Like, it just it, it doesn't make any sense. Game Hotline 706-0111 here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. A couple other top stories to get to. The NBA draft is tonight. Who's going to go number one? Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, maybe Paolo Banchero? Orlando Magic got a couple uh, couple decisions to make. 
before before seven o'clock tonight. Let's go to the hotline. Jay's joining the show. What's going on, Jay? Hi. Uh, now, come on, man. Obviously, if if the Lakers are one of the teams on the list, more likely he would get traded for was uh, Russell Westbrook. Right? You know, you wouldn't think so. Westbrook would be part of that trade, so he wouldn't play with Westbrook. He probably for and the thing about the whole situation you brought up five years ago. Hopefully, um, you know, I'm sure. The, hopefully, I'm sure they talk behind the scenes, and they can uh, they can uh, squash that because when it comes down to it, when they played on the court together, that was a nice little duo, uh, LeBron and uh, Irvin. You know, uh, the, the whole situation with the Knicks. Come on, it's a, it's, it's the one. It's the largest media market. He's, he's not going to just want to leave that media market. You know, so he now I wouldn't want him playing for the Knicks for the simple fact that his style of play. It's not a Tom Thibodeau type of style, like nah, you know. But I wouldn't want him playing for that type of coach. You you mentioned good points with the uh, Sixers uh, with Harden, uh, the Clippers situation. I don't who knows why he want to play with injured riddle players, but uh, who who knows, man. Um, now of course, I guess with the Clippers, I guess you would trade Paul George in that deal, or someone someone has to get traded. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But they, what's that? No, go ahead. No, no, I'm good. What's that? I was just saying, maybe you trade Westbrook. That would be the likely scenario. But who's to say Brooklyn takes his contract? True. But what I'm saying is, you're not trading Davis for uh, Irvin. Now, that's what you know. That's what you hear. Man, Irvin, I don't know. I don't think Irvin's going to get... Um... Now, Dallas, I think Dallas... I think, I think that's interesting. Uh, the situation in Dallas... And like you said, can you get Luca? Usually has the ball in his hand. Can you get Luca? You know, can you take the ball out of his hand? Let him, you know, work the post or whatever. But it seems like the ball has always been in his hand, so that that could be an issue. Yep. But uh, Miami would be nice, I think. But I, I just, I don't know, man. Like a lot of people don't like Irvin for other things, but he's still a nice basketball player when he plays. Um, and I guess that's the key thing when he plays. And. Um, also, man, last week I talked to y'all, man. Charlotte, I would. Charlotte should get a baseball team. I, I was thinking about Nashville, but Charlotte. And, and it would make Charlotte easy to get a baseball team for the simple fact that uh, the Rays have a minor league team in Durham. Yeah. So that would be easier just to uh, have Char- uh, the Tampa Bay Rays move to Charlotte, and you still have their minor league team in that state. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you. Appreciate you, Jay. So yeah, the the look thinking about it now, really, the Heat makes the most sense. Because I feel like that's the best scenario. Because, like Jay said, Luca has to have the ball. What are you going to do when you take the ball out of his hands? Is he the same player? I don't think so. And then going back to the LeBron Kyrie thing, yeah, sure they could squash the past, but I, I think I think we can all agree that this is not the same LeBron that we saw five years ago. Is LeBron still good? Absolutely. But is it very similar to Tom Brady where he's taken a step back? Yeah, it is. Kyrie's taking a step back. He's getting into his 30s. You know, they're, they're different They're different players now. They play different games. LeBron's had to change his game. So I, I don't know if that could work. Especially when you throw Anthony Davis into the mix. 
And again, like he said, the only way that Kyrie ends up in L.A., you'd have to trade Westbrook. And who's going to take Westbrook's contract with the numbers that he put up last year? I can tell you, not very many people. Probably nobody. James, do you think anybody would take Westbrook's contract? Nobody that's trying to win. Well, right. That's like you're gonna have to find the lake. The only way Kyrie ends up in L.A. is the Lakers ship off Westbrook. But to who? Brooklyn's not gonna take it. Well, they might as well if KD's gonna leave anyway. You're gonna have a dumpster fire anyway. You might as well just have some sort of bright spot, quote unquote, some sort of high name, quote unquote, superstar or star. Somebody, somebody that's gonna bring butts to the seats. Yeah, I'm... Russell Westbrook isn't what he was, but hey, it's like hey, look what look what happened with the Wizards. Remember when he was on the Wizards? It, it wasn't that bad, and it was it, it was a point to get people to go to the games because Bradley Beal needed help. Yep. Poll question of the day on Facebook and Twitter: How many games will the Astros win in the Bronx starting tonight? Four games set. Do they win zero, one or two, three, or are they sweeping the Yanks? So far, 23% say a sweep, 7% say three, 61% say one or two, and 7% say they're not winning a damn thing. First game tonight at 6.05, and you can hear it right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Pre-game will begin at 5.35. Take a time out right here. When we return, James and I will talk some NBA draft as well as the College World Series before we give way to Tyler Batiste, the managing editor for The Athletic NBA. Right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, James. Found something on Twitter that I find intriguing, and I'm going to throw it at you. You tell me what you think. Let's compare two football teams. Okay? One team, so it's the 2006 Saints and the 2022 Saints. Okay. 2006, Drew Brees, Deuce McAllister, Joe Horn, Marcus Colston, Mark Campbell, Reggie Bush, Scott Fujita, Will Smith, Mike McKenzie. That's your 016. Okay. Your 2022 team, Jameis Winston, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Taysom Hill, Chris Olave, Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, and Marshawn Lattimore. Which team you picking? You got to feel better about the 2022 team. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. I mean, the only... It's it's pretty much the same QB situation because it's two QBs 
They're still kind of new to the system. Neither yeah, of I mean, them. That was Drew's first year. Yeah. I mean, this will be technically Jameis's third, but this will be like last year. He only played six and a half games. Yep. So it, he's still continuing his first season almost. If you if you kind of look at it from a games perspective. Now. And neither of them are really proven yet. If you, and I love Jameis. What I'm about to say is not a knock on Jameis. If you could put Drew on that 2022 team, it'd be perfect. 2009 Drew? Yeah. Two, 2009 Drew. Late, two, the, late 2000s, early 2010s Drew. Oh. That team's going undefeated. <laughs> the team is going undefeated. Hell, even like 2015 Drew. Even even back half Drew, not like 2019, 2018. Even 2017 Drew. Right. Yeah, I mean that that Cause guy because Drew because Drew still had a little bit of arm left. That guy was good. He still he still threw a couple deep bombs to 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 Ted Ginn. Brandon Cooks too. Well, Brandon Cooks was gone in 2017. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, like like I said, if you could put Drew on that 2022 team, that'd be absolutely perfect. Again, not knocking Jameis. I like Jameis. Nothing like hypotheticals. But right, nothing like hypotheticals. There's nothing, nothing like Nothing like hypotheticals. If there was one guy from that 2006 team, and Drew Brees obviously doesn't count, that you could put on the 2022 team, who would it be? Maybe a maybe a Marcus Colston. Maybe a Joe Horn. Maybe Hurricane Will Smith on the end. Oh, could I get Will Smith? Yeah. I mean, again, love Cam, but like but having there's Will, only one Will Smith. But having Cam and Will Smith, oh god, oh god, and then you have in the reserves Davenport and Peyton. Brady's back would get broken. Imagine, imagine the front four. You have none of the DTs. It's just All the ends. It's just Cam Jordan, Davenport, and Davenport on the inside. Will Smith, and then you put Peyton Turner on the outside. Oh my god. Oh my god! And then put um put Sam Mills in the linebacking core. Oh, Sa- just Ooh. just have Sam Mills and Demario Davis just roam the middle. Right, right. Oh, oh man, <laughs> God, we could we could put an all decades Saints team together that would just wreck shop on everybody. But then I feel like t- to only be fair, you have to do it with every other team. No, you don't. <laughs> Said no, 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 you don't. no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. That's not. That's okay. Stanley Cup Finals last night, the Colorado Avalanche winning it in overtime over the Tampa Bay Lightning on what people are calling a controversial goal. Because if you look back at a couple camera angles, it looked like the Colorado Avalanche still had six men on the ice which normally would warrant a penalty because you can only have five guys on the ice at a time. Avalanche equals cheaters. But then I saw a picture that somebody posted on social media from like a wide angle of the arena. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can see that there's six Avalanche players on the ice. But you can also count seven Tampa Bay Lightning players. Oh, so they're both cheaters? So, <laughs> like, 
yes, two of the guys were trying to get off the ice for the lightning, but like there were still seven guys on the ice. It's it's like the QB snapping while the defense still is trying to get their right. last substitution out. E- even if you're if you're on the the hash mark on the side, you're still in the field of play. That's too many men on the field. It's the same thing. So uh, Lightning fans are trying to be like, oh, they had too many men on the ice. Well, so did you. You had too, too many. Right. <laughs> and so your your argument's really invalid. Anyways, Lightning win 3-2 to two on a beautiful goal by Nazem Kadri. And now with a 3-1 lead, the Avs look to close it out tomorrow night at home. It's over. Oh, it's it's done. I hate to say it, but you see, I'm not a fan of either one of these teams. I am a hockey fan, but I'm not a fan of either one of these teams. But what I love about this is since tomorrow is a clincher, the Stanley Cup is going to be in the building. Mm-hmm. Most beautiful trophy in sports. None better. I like how it's and and it's just one, right? Yeah, yeah. It's There's, just the one, and you just. Engrave the names. Engrave the team's names and every just year. Add, you just keep adding cups. And the, the teams the teams get a a replica. They get a they get a condensed replica of the trophy to put in their trophy case in their facility. But uh yeah, no, you, you give you give the cup back every year. So yeah, greatest trophy in sports. And uh gonna be in the building in Denver tomorrow night for Game 5 between the Avs and the Lightning. The Lightning, of course, looking for their third consecutive Stanley Cup final. We'll take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return, our guy Tyler Batiste, the NBA managing editor for The Athletic, will join us. We'll talk NBA draft and free agency as we are about a week away from free agency opening. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 36 minutes after 4 o'clock here on your Thursday. It's NBA Draft Day. It's always a fun day when the when the NBA Draft comes around. The Pelicans currently hold the number 8 pick. Will they stay there? Will they try to move out in the next two and a half hours? Let's talk to Tyler Batiste. He is the NBA Managing Editor for The Athletic. Tyler, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. So let's look at the NBA draft tonight. There's a little bit of fluctuation in opinion and who's going to be the number one overall pick, but over the last couple hours, it seems to be coming more firm that it's going to be Jabari Smith. Yeah, I think that's what everybody's kind of thought since the lottery happened, that that Jabari Smith would would be number one going to Orlando. Obviously, there's been some talk about Chet Holmgren, and then overnight, 
the the possibility, apparent possibility that Paulo Bencaro would somehow go number one, whether that be to Orlando or or Houston. But I think when it's all said and done, it's it's going to be Jabari Smith. He's been the guy that has been linked to the Magic so much over the past few weeks. And um, if you look at Orlando's roster, they have a ton of seven footers already um, in the fold with uh, Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba and. Um, other big guys, it'd be good for them to get a forward who can shoot lights out like Jabari Smith can um, and also be a, a really, really effective defender on the other end of the court. So I'm going to ask your opinion on this because the way I see it with Chet Holmgren is, yes, he's seven foot and that's great, but he's also a buck 95 and a stick. <laughs> so, and and, you know, sticks don't usually do that well in the NBA. And obviously, I, I know that once he gets in the NBA, they're going to put weight on him with the strength and conditioning staff and whatever. My question is this. Do you think that his intangibles are good enough to where he could be the number one pick? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think you get this deep into the draft process. I mean, we're looking at, what, less than two hours away from the draft right now, and people are talking about him being a possible number one, at the very least a, a, a top three pick. Um, the, the skill is there. I mean, if you watch him play in college, the skill is, is all over that, you know, 190-pound frame. Uh, you know, you talked about him bulking up once he gets to the NBA, but being seven foot one is a pretty good place to start from if you're trying to bulk up. You know, you'd rather bulk up a seven foot one frame than do so to someone who's six foot or six foot one. Um, the stuff that he can do on the defensive end, um, I think as you've seen more and more centers kind of be – uh, dominant players in the league over the past few years, the back-to-back MVP and Nicole Jokic. You've got Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. Um, not to say that centers, it's a big man's game again, but you've seen more and more of those traditional big guys be effective and have individual success. If you can get a guy like Chet Holmgren, who might be able to be you know, backed down by some of those guys, but he can um, has the leaping ability and the length to kind of contest any shot that somebody like that might put up. Um, that's a pretty good starting point to start from. And then, like you said, you hope you can add 20 or 30 pounds, maybe even 40 or 50 pounds to his frame and not have him affect, not have that affect uh, some of the other things he can do on the court. Um, you know, the draft is a crapshoot, um, no matter if you're going number one or if you're going number 60. So um, it's all about projection. It's all about coaching. It's all about development for these guys. Tyler Batiste, the NBA managing editor for The Athletic, joins us on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's talk about some of the later lottery spots, you know, 5 through 10. It's kind of spread out with, you know, guys like Keegan Murray, Dyson Daniels, A.J. Griffin, Shaden Sharp. Who impresses you out of that group? And more importantly, with the, with the New Orleans Pelicans being at number 8, where do you see what do you see them doing? I tell you, I had Iowa going pretty far in my NCAA tournament bracket last year because I was um, all in on Keegan Murray, and I just kind of thought that he'd be the best player on the court um, most, if not all, of the games that the Hawkeyes played. Uh, that wasn't the case. They got eliminated in the first round. I think before I even had lunch that day, they were already um, out of the tournament. But um, it seems like a lot of teams have an interest in Keegan Murray. Um, the Kings, even though it looks like they might be leaning toward Jaden Ivey, um, obviously – Five and six, Detroit and Indiana could use a player like that. So um, that's a guy who, even though he had a, a, a rough tournament, I think he's gonna he's gonna perform well when he gets to the league. When it comes to the Pelicans, I think um, somebody like Dyson Daniels is somebody that they they have their eye on. Um, that's been reported all over the place. And um, in our latest mock over at the Athletic by Sam Vicini, he had Dyson Daniels going to New Orleans at eight. Um, he's a guy that 
fills two roles that they need in terms of defense and, you know, playmaking and passing ability. I think it's easy to say now that the Devontae Graham experiment didn't quite work out um, as a pseudo replacement for Lonzo Ball. Um, and I think Pelicans fans would also probably say that, uh, you know, you don't want to go into next season, a season with a lot of hope coming off of a playoff appearance. And all respect to Jose Alvarado, but I don't know if he's quite a starting point guard in the league. So you kind of want um, somebody with a little bit of, um, you know, pedigree and um, high expectations to kind of fill the role of not only being a playmaker alongside T.J. McCollum, Zion Williamson, but also somebody who can who can defend because you're not going to get, um, you know, above average defense from McCollum and Williamson when they're on the court, especially if you're um, somebody who's defending someone in the six 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 seven range like a Jason Tatum or a Kawhi Leonard or someone like that. So I think if Dyson Daniels is on the board for the Pelicans, um, he'd be a, a really good pick and somebody that, as I said, it seems like they have their eye on. Do you think? Do you see them trading out at all? I don't. I don't. Um, I think, especially at that point in the draft, if you know you don't want to always draft for need. Um, you know, sometimes you want to take the best player available. But after those top four players um, in the go in the draft, the kind of consensus top four, the Pelicans are sitting at eight. There's so many, you know, um, two guards, uh, small forward type players, in Shaden Sharp and Benedict uh, Mathurin out of Arizona, Keegan Murray. Dyson Daniels, A.J. Griffin, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, that they should be able to get um, a quality wing player who, um, you know, might not be expected to start right away, but, you know, can work in the rotation and, and, and get something out of them next season. A lot of guys with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pedigree coming out of the draft. So I think they're in a good spot, and, and, and hopefully they've got their board in order, in order and they can, uh, you know, go for the best guy at uh, the top of their board. Now, Looking at you know the the later first round and even into the the second round, who are some guys that you're watching as a you know look out for these players later in the night? Well, I wouldn't be an an LSU alum if I didn't mention Tari Eason. So I'm just going to say Tari Eason. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, watch out to see where he goes. He's a really really good defender. Um, I'm curious to see where he lands. Um, aside from that, I'm, I, you know, the Ohio State guys um, really jump out to me and Malachi Branham and um, EJ Liddell. They kind of do completely different things on the court. Malachi Branham's a scorer. He's a, he's a slasher. He's a guy who can, who can get buckets. And EJ is, is a guy who kind of does everything else, a, a rim protector, um, obviously a good defender. I'm curious to see if he turns out to, turns out to have sort of a you know, Draymond Green type um, career. Maybe not as effective and probably a little bit of a better shooter, but um, he's kind of an undersized power forward that I think he's going to be somebody who contributes pretty early when he gets to the league. And aside from that, I'm kind of looking at you know some of these veteran point guards who might come off the board in the second round, and in some cases might not not even be drafted at all. Andrew uh, Nempard out of out of Gonzaga, uh, Colin Gillespie out of Villanova. Those guys who have played four or five years, they they've run offenses, the offenses they've run highly successful teams. They have uh, you know not to be cliche, but they have that that quote unquote basketball high basketball IQ. May not be the most athletic guys on the on the court, but um, you know I'm thinking of a player like an Andre Miller who who can get by on smarts and uh, and passing and, and and defense and kind of make uh, you know make their bones in the league for a long time to come. So I'm interested to see where they land, especially if they land on a you know a good team, um, some team like Memphis who with Tyus Jones potentially leaving in free agency, could really use a backup point guard. Um, a guy like that um, could kind of slide in and, and, and be that backup to John Moran and, and kind of keep that thing going for the Grizzlies. 
Chatting with Tyler Batiste here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Do you see any big trades happening tonight with with you know veteran players in the NBA making a move? You know what? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, um, you look at Indiana. There's been a lot of talk about Malcolm Brogdon or, or Miles Turner potentially being on the move. Uh, Miles Turner has made it known for the past year or so that he is looking kind of for a greater offensive role um, in uh, outside of Indiana. Um, a lot of guys who are going to be restricted free agents are probably some of the bigger names that that might be on the move, if not tonight, but in the in the next couple of weeks. You know, DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. Uh, Miles Bridges in in Charlotte, and if the Hornets decide that they want to go forward with Miles Bridges and pay him, you know what he will likely command on the open market, which is you know a max salary or near max. You've got somebody like Gordon Hayward who may be on the way out, um, and who can still play when he's healthy. We saw it last year; he's had some injury problems, but you know he's a guy that you can you can you know slot in as your your third best player and, and have a pretty good team. So. I'm not sure if any of those moves will get made before the draft starts tonight, but um, you may see some moves get made by some teams setting up uh, some potential bigger moves down the line. Last question I've got for you. Free agency starts in a week. You know, there, there's a lot of big-name, unrestricted free agents. Who are some that you're looking for, and, and what kind of moves could you see them making? Well, I mean, I think the bigger story right now is, is what's going to happen with, with Kyrie Irving. Um, right. It seems like he and the Nets are, um, whatever the issue is, are not on the, on the same page in terms, of, uh, in terms of their future and his future in Brooklyn. So I think everybody around the league is kind of watching to see what um, the result of that situation is. Um, aside from that, you know, Jalen Brunson um, over in Dallas really, really upped his value and upped his stock with the way that he performed in the playoffs. He's been linked to the Knicks a lot. The Knicks have, um, you know, kind of a hole in the backcourt when that Kimball Walker experiment uh, didn't quite work out last season. But I could also see Jalen Brunson wanting to run it back in Dallas and, and, and staying home, so to speak, at a place where he, he found a lot of success. But I think he's a player that is going uh, is gonna to get a really nice payday um, down the line. And as I mentioned, you know, kind of an under-radar guy, under-the-radar guy over in Memphis, Tyus Jones, who's kind of one of the the better assist-to-turnover ratio players in the league over the past few years. Is he someone who wants to run his own team as opposed to, uh, you know, playing second and third fiddle to the backcourt of John Morant and, uh, and Dylan Brooks over, over in Memphis? So um, it's always an interesting time of year, and, and the things that you expect over the next few weeks aren't the things that are going to necessarily happen, so it'll be fun to watch. Tyler Batiste, the NBA Managing Editor of The Athletic, joins us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh. Tyler, really appreciate you taking the time, as always. And uh, enjoy the NBA draft tonight, my man. Yep, take care, guys. There he goes, Tyler Batiste. The Game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you join our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. It's free and it's simple. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Take our final time out of hour number one. And when we come back, we'll wrap it up and get you set for hour number two. Who that Wednesday a day late with Brandon Ertle here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. To the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. It's a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back. Crunch time with me guys in Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, NBA draft night. One thing that I love about it is about right now, two hours before, you, you start getting videos on social media of guys on the red carpet. First one I see, Paolo Benchero. I was going to say that was the first one I saw, yeah. Dude, that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible a purple suit with diamond looking things all over it things okay and then a giant 75 chain okay so problem number one is that since the warriors won the nba finals last week it is no longer the 75th season of the nba so you done messed up there second Purple? Purple. You're not even going to a purple team. Unless the Rockets are complete fools, which, I mean, maybe they, they might be. You could go forward to Sacramento. I mean, maybe. But why? Like, when I see things like this, I, I look at the video and I go, I, I want to get inside their head. Did, did he just wake up this morning and go, hmm, purple would look good. Like, it's horrible. It's absolute. It's almost as bad as your orange shoes last night. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> hold on. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. That's, yes, sir. That's messed up. Yes, sir. I went there. Those things were bad, bro. Those are swag. Those things were bad, bro. By the way, if you did hang out at the birthday bash last night, it was a great time. And if you didn't show up, then shame on you because you, you missed one heck of a party. Call me crazy. But I don't think that's a 7. I think that's an F. You think that's an F? I think that's an F. For F5? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't, doesn't Bancaro wear 5 as his number? No, Bancaro wore 0. He wore 0? Hmm, interesting. I don't, I don't know. It, uh, it looks like F5. And then Tari Eason. Did you see his? Dude's rocking a neon green blazer. Oh my god! The these outfits are these suits are terrible. <laughs> oh, he wants to go to the Celtics. They're <laughs> horrible. Walker Kessler, however, the inside of his perfectly normal blue suit is draped with Auburn. The Auburn logo. Totally down with that. So it's a blue. If you want to do something crazy on the lining of your jacket, go for it. Nobody can see that unless you show it to them. But wearing a purple or a lime green suit, someone dude. put a someone put a gif of a prince. Thank you. Yes, we are. We are not prince. God, at least I'd hoped you're not. That would be a crazy story to tell. Prince died and then came back as Palo Benchero. Yikes. <laughs> Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side. We will sit down with Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday. And we'll talk 
some more top stories. Currently in the bottom of the eighth, Ole Miss leads Arkansas two to nothing. Looking like an Ole Miss Oklahoma final. Uh oh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Hour number two on the top, on the other side of this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour two of two. Technically, hour two of hour and a half. Anyways, Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who that Wednesday a day late? Brendan Ertle from Canal Street Chronicles. What's going on, my guy? Who that? What's up, guys? And, you know. I always love a good Houdat Wednesday on a Thursday. Absolutely. Who doesn't? So I'm going to start with this. I sent you a, a tweet earlier. 2006 or 2022, who you taking? It's really tough because that team, I don't think, had as high expectations, you know, as they they turned out to have. You know, NFC Championship, I don't think anyone expected that team year one with Drew and Sean, especially as the season started, to go to the NFC Championship. But, you know, we're just going to see how the 2022 Saints look. Uh, but I will say this. If that if those two teams are playing each other in basketball, the 2022 Saints are smoking the 2006 Saints because the amount of athleticism they have in this roster is, you know, pretty much remarkable. And you look at, like, just every matchup. Mike McKenzie versus Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, come on. Uh Chris Olave versus Reggie Bush, that's a good uh, good commentation. Kamara versus Deuce McAllister. I don't know what Deuce still has in, up his sleeve, but, in, I, I, you know, a lot more athletic in 2022, I think. You, th- you think Deuce still has something left in the tank? I mean, you know, maybe. He's out there, you know, <laughs> tanking every day, sweating the whole time. So, you know, he's, he's probably still in good shape. Chat with our guy Brendan Ertle here on Who Dat Wednesday. You brought up basketball, and I know you're a Pels guy, so let's talk NBA draft. Who are the Pelicans taking mm-hmm. tonight? You know, I've gone, you know, around a few guys, and I think the name that I'm starting to hear the most, it's kind of like I'll compare it to the Saints draft because it was like, you know, there's always three or four guys. You have a handful of guys that you like at a spot, and then around draft time, you know, it becomes a little bit more clear, and I think for, for the Saints, that was Chris Olave. And for the Pelicans, I think that's Dyson Daniels. And I think that he will add, you know, a winning element right away. And a guy I've liked for a really long time is uh, the kid from Arizona, Ben Matherin. But I don't think they need another guard. Uh, so I, I like I like Dyson Daniels. I like the depth that he could add at forward. And, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. I, I've seen, you know, the the odds of them trading back. And, I mean, they've made calls. So, if they do trade back and try and dump Devontae Graham, uh, I'd like that as well. But I think Dyson Daniels is, is my guy right now. Yeah, that that seems to be the the name being thrown around a lot. I, I've kind of jumped on that train because all week, man, I've been saying the Pelicans need to trade out of the eight spot. There's nobody mm-hmm. there truly worth 
you know what the Pelicans are looking for right now. Just trade out of it, get a vet and a future pick. But you know, the more I've thought about it, the more I've researched Dyson Daniels and, and watched his tape. Uh, I'm I'm a fan. So if the Pelicans do end up taking Dyson Daniels tonight, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, and it's a different route too. I mean, he played in the G League. You know, it's a little bit different competition in that G League. But you know, some may say you know a little bit better players or more groomed players being a little bit older. So I like the experience he has in that field. And you want a guy at eight that you can, you can you know play right now um, and get in the rotation now. And I think that he will be you know that guy. Chat with Brendan Ertle here on Who Dat Wednesdays. All right, Brendan. Saints rookies will report to training camp on July 19th. Veterans a week later on July 26th. That's both dates are less than a month away. Man, you know, as training camp gets closer and closer, what are you looking out for? What are you excited about? Well, when I saw those dates, I was actually a little bit surprised. I felt a little bit early, but I mean, I don't have a problem with them being in the building early at all. Um, and that New Orleans heat, you know, it's not going to get any colder. So just getting them there and act acquainted with the weather there is super important. Uh, you don't want to have players be going home and, you know, some may live in the Midwest or the West Coast and get not used to that humidity. They got to stay in that humidity, whether it's their training or not, they got to stay in it. Um, but you know, a couple things, uh, the running back position. I mean, obviously they brought in David Johnson. They couldn't agree to terms. I, he probably wanted more money they were, than they were willing to offer. Do they try and find a guy before training camp? Because, I, like I've said on the show before, I, I always thought that they'd want to see what they had first, and I think that they've done that. So it was interesting they brought in a vet as good as David Johnson. I mean, there's plenty of good other vets out there, but we could see them bringing in another one potentially for training camp. Uh, they do it all the time. They bring in camp boys a lot. Uh, Joe Schobert came in for a visit, obviously, and tried out in minicamp. Uh, linebackers, another position that I could see uh, them potentially addressing just because, you know, you have tomorrow, you have Pete Warner, and besides that, you're kind of thin at the position. And this is now the time, this kind of dead period is the time where I could see them trying to, you know, revisit with Quan Alexander because he obviously hasn't got the money he wanted in free agency. Uh, there's been a ton of interest with the New York Jets. Nothing's been done yet. So, like they did last year, right before training camp, could they bring in Quan again on another team-friendly deal? I mean, I'll be all for it, and I think the two positions looking out for is obviously running back and linebacker. Yeah, always. You know, Quan is, is a guy that I could see being back in, in the lineup, but my question is, you know, everybody says Zach Bond doesn't fit, and I agree he doesn't, but – what what's the plan to to move on from him if he doesn't fit this Saints defense? And it's interesting because you know we had a total makeshift in the in the back end of the secondary. So what are we, what is the Saints defense even going to look like? Because the past few years, I mean, we've seen a lot of cover one man. We've seen you know the Saints be able to pretty much press everyone on the line of scrimmage because Marcus Williams was that good and had that much range. I don't think we're going to be able to see that as much. I think we'll see like you know more cover two, more cover three. Um, and things like that, and, and I mean they're very good at that. It just adds a little bit less, you know, versatility in the back end, I guess. Um, but for Kawan and Zach Bond, I think we may even see less usage at linebacker because you know Kwan came in at, 
those third down packages when it was, you know, obvious passing down. The Saints have so many DBs that, honestly, you could put CJ at linebacker or you could put Tyron Matthew at linebacker and do the exact same thing that Quan did just because they're so deep at those positions now. So I think the lack of depth, you could say, at linebacker isn't really concerning, but what Zach Bond's been able to do so far in the league, I think his only value at this point is special teams. He hasn't shown any kind of flashes of, you know, being a solid starter at the weak, strong, or middle linebacker. So it, it'll be tough to make this roster for him. I think it's going to be even tougher come training camp. You know, he hasn't really found his groove, and obviously still in that rookie deal. I, I don't think necessarily have to move on from him. He's not a cap casualty or anything, but, you know, it's one of those guys where the clock's ticking, um, and I think there's a lot more belief in guys like Adam Troutman to take that next step than Zach Bond. Um, I, I don't want to quit on a guy too soon, but it seems like the project of Zach Bond moving to linebacker it just doesn't seem all that realistic anymore. Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles joining us. All right, man, I've been thinking about something defensively for the Saints for a little while now, and I want I'm a I'm going to speak it out to you, and I want you to tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Could you see the Saints' defense running a 4-2-5? So, it's kind of like what I was just saying. They honestly could. And it's something that the Saints, you know, back when they were 7-9, they kind of did something similar. They ran a ton of three safety looks uh, with, you know, Kenny Vaccaro, Raphael Bush, Jarius Bird, all just horrible names for Saints fans. <laughs> Um, but this is this is like like I said a defense where you could uh, where you could do that because the strength is in the back end and just looking at the guys who will be locked for that for the for the 53 on the roster you look at Lattimore Debo you got to keep Roby you got to keep Garner Johnson that's already four to five guys you're keeping Tyron you're keeping Marcus May you're keeping J T Gray yeah. um, guys like Daniel Sorensen you you keep for special teams. Uh, maybe a guy like Smoke Monday as well. So you'll have a ton of guys, probably more so than you usually do, at that position um, and just that skill group all around. So, yeah, I could definitely see more of a 4-2-5 kind of look, uh, going back to that three-safety look. And I forgot about P.J. Williams as well. P.J. will get a ton of playing time as well, uh, whether Marcus May is recovering from that Achilles or he gets suspended too. So um, the good thing about Dennis Allen, I mean, he's super smart. He's one of the best at his job, uh, which is defense. And, you know, he's going to figure it out. It's never going to look the same. There's a lot of versatility at every position. So, I mean, we could see one play, they run a 4-2-5. Next play, they run a 3-4. You know, it, they can switch it up. They have the depth to pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah, because, you know, with the 4-2-5 matchup, what I'm thinking is Jordan and Davenport on the ends, Anyamata and Granderson in the middle, Linebackers, you would have Davis and Warner. And then in your secondary, you'd have Lattimore and Adebo out wide, Garner Johnson playing kind of a nickel, and then P.J. Williams and Matthew as your two safeties. Mm-hmm. And you always can you always can switch up that look as well. You can have you know, one snap, tire and come in the box, Marcus may go deep. Yep. You can run pretty much any coverage with that as well. Uh, just because, you know, the versatility that Tyron and Marcus may have. I mean, they could play linebacker at this level any day uh you could even punch cameron jordan inside you could you know take out a dt and even bring in a guy like peyton turner or carl granderson to rush off the edge as well because you know cam's had a ton of success inside as well so uh 
There's a ton of things they can do. I think you also have two of the best lifting DBs in the National Football League and CJ and Tyron Matthew. So I think you got to be in your toes. For, for a quarterback, you know, you have your slot receiver, CJ's pressed on him. You, you can't just assume that he's going to cover that guy. Uh, one of CJ's best games was against the 49ers this year or a couple years ago. And he came off that edge multiple times. And I think that's something you got to worry about as well. So, Tons of things they can do, and I think this defense is going to be really, really fun to watch. Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles joining us. All right, Brendan, about two months until the regular season starts. Do you see the Saints making another big move between now and the start of the season? Um, I'll, I'll say I hope not. I, I like where they are, and if it were to be a big move, I don't, I don't think it'd be necessary at this point. I think we kind of had our big off season. I think Mike Triple said it best. Uh, just the way this offseason started was really, really tough. It was hard. But in terms of Saints history and offseasons, it's probably the comeback offseason of Saints franchise history. Uh, just because, you know, you lose Sean Payton, you lose Tron Armstead, that's two pivotal things. And, and you lose a coach like that at, you know, two to three, two to three wins, uh, in terms of the NFL index and, you kind of you go for Deshaun, you don't get him, and the offseason was kind of quiet for a little bit, and then just he signed Jameis, and it all turned around. And they they kind of went for it, but I think they're pretty much done. I think we've seen the splashes, um, but who knows? I th- I thought we were done when we signed Tyron Matthews, so who knows? Are the Texas Longhorns back? I mean, so I was talking about this earlier. I I understand the move for for Arch. It's about money. It's about, you know, where you think you're going to have the most success. And a guy like Arch, you know, you're going to bring in tons and tons of talent around him because, you know, who, what five-star receiver wouldn't want to catch passes from a Manning at the collegiate level and grow their legacy and probably make some money as well. So they'll have some, they'll have some money too. And it's like if Texas isn't back – it's just it's a poverty organization because they have to be back at this point. You have Quint Ewers, five star number one quarterback in what twenty twenty one. You bring in the number one quarterback in twenty twenty three. They have like the number two quarterback in twenty twenty. So they have to be back and they have to find a way to do something this year. And I think college football fans will want um I think it's a good thing, honestly, if, if Texas is back. It adds competition and um I mean, good for Arch. He's definitely a rich man today and moving forward as well. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I knew whenever Will Randall, his tight end at Newman, was when he committed to Texas, I knew it wouldn't be long before mm-hmm. Arch joined him. And then, you know, the the money, like you like you brought up, the, the money's a huge factor, and Texas mm-hmm. was clearly able to shell it out to him. Now, does he stay at Texas? Does he sign paperwork to stay at Texas? That I don't know. I mean, I'm just glad it's not Bama. And we could see, you know, one, if not two, of those quarterbacks transfer. I mean, we'll just see who it is and who wins that battle. But I think it's Quinn Ewer's job for now. You know, Arch is coming. Arch Manning is coming. Brendan Ertel of Canal Street Chronicles. Really appreciate you taking the time each and every week, my friend. And uh, as always, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. You guys have a good one. 
Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. Plenty of food, games, and even a raffle to participate in. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, head to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org, R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group. Org. Take a time out when we return. James and I will recap the Old Miss Arkansas game. We'll get you set for the draft, and then we'll get you on your way to the Houston Astros. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 23rd, 2003. San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds steals second base against the Los Angeles Dodgers to become the first player in Major League Baseball history to have 500 career homers and 500 steals. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with me, Gaz and Mesh, here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It has just gone final in Omaha. Ole Miss takes down Arkansas 2 to nothing to advance to the College World Series Championship Series between Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Man, our guy Jamie Green has to be just upset. Arkansas loses. The Lightning lost last night. He's in shambles. Oh, my God. It is, a, it is a bad day to be Mr. Jamie Green. On top of that, have you seen this, James? Tyreek Hill said on the second episode of his podcast, it needed to be said that he got death threats for his comments about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I had seen that a couple days ago, or it might have been yesterday even. I don't know. Time flies for me. But hearing that he's getting death threats because I I don't – it shouldn't be taken that serious, man. Well, It no, really shouldn't. God, no. It, it should not at all. He said, I've got de- I got death threats on every social media account I own. God, that's – some people, man. And like I get passion, and I love passion. In I get sports. I get raw emotion for a team you like, right? Like I I'm all about it, but that's way too far. Yeah, this is so not life or death, guys. It's so not. That, anyways, so big story of the day: Arch Manning brings his family family legacy to the University of Texas. So th- that's interesting because you had Archie. And Eli both go to Ole Miss. Peyton said, you know, I'm going to defect a little bit and go to Tennessee. And that that stirred the pot a lot for the Manning family. And now, little Archibald Jr. goes, nah, man, I'm going to go to Texas. Do you think he wanted to be different? Or do you think it was just so much the money? Money. I think he wanted to not 
isolate himself or alienate himself, but more just be on his own path instead of just continuing the old Miss route well, well, right. or going with Tennessee. Because here's the thing. If he goes to Ole Miss and fails, oh, then no. He, then yeah, he, he, he's, he's, he is either way, he would be alienated. Right. He, he is done for. If he goes to Texas and fails, it's not as bad because there, there's no Manning legacy at Texas. I don't think he's going to fail. I think Arch is going to be a generational talent, just like both of his uncles were. And his father was. Or, yeah, was. So, I don't know. However, I'm, I'm still a little hesitant that he even plays for Texas. So, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, if he does, wherever he ends up going, I think he's going to be the starter regardless of, of where he plays college football as a freshman because he's just, he's just different. Travelers Championship started today at TPC River Highlands in Connecticut. Roy McIlroy going eight under in round one. He is tied for first place with JT Poston, who is also eight under. Xander Shoffley at seven under. Patrick Cantlay at six under. Cam Davis five under. Going further down the list, the defending champion from a year ago, Harris English at four under. Kevin Kisner three under. You got Sam Ryder and Davis Riley at two under, Tony Finau at two under as well. And Sam Burns, the Louisiana product, sitting at even through the first round. Surprise of the day. How about Jordan Spieth? A five over first round for Jordan. Definitely not where he wanted to be. He's currently sitting tied for 148th in the tournament. We'll see what the cut is for tomorrow, but I venture to say if the scores stay around where they're at, the cut is probably going to be one under even. Did you see what Ray had said in our group chat? He said, Rory's great at winning tournaments that aren't majors. Oh. Oh, no. Shots fired. I mean, Rory, it, it, it's true. It's true. Rory hasn't won a major in, I want to say the last one he won. I'm going to look it up just to be sure, but I want to say the last one that he won was 2012. 2012, maybe? Let's see. I'm going to find it. Um, James, do me a favor. Update update the poll question for me. All right. Let me... PGA Championship was the last one he won in 2014. He won the PGA Championship and the British Open in 2014. So it's been eight years since Rory was able to win a major. Looking at the poll question, how many games will the Astros win in the Bronx? Heavily leading one to two. Yeah, 60%. 20% say a sweep. We got two comments on it. One from the world-famous CD, Clint Domingue. And then the Cajun Dad says, so the puzzle that is the MLB schedule, if you look into it, 24 of the Yanks' wins come from three teams, the Orioles, the Tigers, and the Royals. All three are bad. The crazy thing about the RPI is that it gives weight to a team for beating bad teams 
because other teams also beat them too. Well, that's the thing with formulas. I mean, that's just how it works. That That's why the BCS was so flawed. He's, and then he came back and said, it's actually 20 and 4, not 24. So 20 of your 50? Of their 51. 51 yeah. wins come so, against... So, so 40, 40%? I mean, they're still 51 and 18. They're still 29 and 7 at home. The Yankees and Aaron Judge is sitting at 27 home runs. Think about that. It's not even the all-star break, and he's at 27 home runs. That is absolutely insane numbers to think about. Framber Valdez is going to be on the mound for the Astros 7-3 and with a 2.780 ERA, 81 innings pitched, 65 hits, 68 Ks, four home runs given up on the year. His opponent will be Jamison Tyone, 8-1 and one on the year with a 2.70 ERA, 73 and a third inning, 69 hits, 60 Ks. He's walked nine and allowed six homers. Again, 27 homers for Aaron Judge to 21 for Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez does bring in a 315 batting average. Aaron Judge leads, runs batted in at 50. To Jeremy Pena, Jake Odorizzi, and Lance McCullers still on the IL while Oletmus Diaz is currently listed as day-to-day. Good news for the Astros. Jake Myers, a guy who played very well for them down the stretch last year, battled some injuries. He is with the team in New York. He's not activated. But he is with the team, hopefully to be activated at some point this weekend and make his season debut. That could be a good jolt for the Houston Astros. James, i got to ask you, over the last couple of games, it, it looks like Alex Bregman has finally figured it out. Yeah, he's getting it going. He's, he's coming around. He had that big home run yesterday. With the with the back to back home runs for him and Jordan, I mean that home run he hit yesterday was just an absolute no doubter. He he knew it the second it came off the bat. I mean he just watched it, and then Jordan just cranked a second decker. God, that dude is so good. <laughs> That's so he's so good. I thank God every day for Josh Fields. I I love looking at I, I love how when you look at the preview. For both the Yankees and the Astros, mm-hmm. home runs, batting average, and runs batted in. Jordan leads all three categories. And then same thing for Aaron Judge yep. with the Yankees. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's just a battle of the Titans. It's going to be a great weekend of, of baseball. You also have the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame going down this weekend in Natchitoches. Going to be a full weekend. There's a, a tailgating event tomorrow night before the induction ceremony Saturday evening always a lot of fun to be up in Natchitoches for the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame our guy Raymond Parsons the third will be there all weekend long I know he's looking forward to that James you know lastly we'll we'll wrap up with this the NBA draft conversation you know are, are you 
are you expecting any surprises tonight, or you think it's going to be a fairly normal NBA draft? No, I'm expecting a lot of movement. Hmm. I think Pelicans get out of their pick. Unless someone just absolutely falls to them at eight, but I can't see it. I think they really like Jaden Daniels. You think they like Jaden? Yeah, I think they really like Jaden Daniels. And I just I don't know if at this point they could get enough value that they're looking for to make it worth it to trade out. I think at this point they're going to make a pick. And I think it's like I said, I think it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Now, if you want to try to move Devontae Graham tonight, and or Jackson Hayes, and or Jackson Hayes, yeah, you could you could definitely look into doing that. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Jackson Hayes is going to be here. I don't know if it's a move that's going to be made before the season starts, but definitely by the deadline, he's not a Pelican anymore, right? I don't want to say you hope not, but I don't know if you necessarily want him on the team. I don't. He's only good when Zion's out, and then you just put him at the four. He's only good when Zion's out, and then not to mention the he, he's found us he he's found a place at power forward, and you're not really going to play him at power forward in the second lineup. It's true, and then and then on top of that, all the off the court issues that. You know you've been dealing with with him is, is that's not great either. I want to take this opportunity to thank Tyler Baptiste and Brendan Ertle for joining us today. James Mesh pushing all the buttons, making us look good. Appreciate you. Tomorrow, same deal. Ninety minute show for the Houston Astros. We will talk some NASCAR. We will recap the NBA draft, and we'll get you set for a great weekend of the Travelers Championship. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Astros are next. Next.